Hello, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Three Walls and BLP. What's up, Mike? With me, as always, is Matt Bianco. What's going on? Not much, man. All right. So, if you're listening to this, it is February 12th, 2020. And, Matt, as we always start off the pod, give me something that happened today in sports history. All right. So, in 1937, Cleveland, who is now the Los Angeles Rams, were granted an NFL franchise. And in 1961, Celtic Bill Russell grabbed 40 rebounds to beat the Warriors, 136 to 125. What you got for me? All right, I'm taking it way back to 1949 for mine. In 1949, in ice hockey, Team Canada took the ice against Team Denmark. And the final score was a whopping 47 nothing in favor of the Canadians. And also in 1982, keeping it hockey themed here, Wayne Gretzky scored his 153rd point of the season, tying an NHL record. He ended that season with 196 points, which was 72 more than second place for points. Goodness. The great one. He, he was pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, all right. So we're kind of rolling. Um, like one thing I want to introduce to the pod, and I know this is actually going to filter into something that a lot of our listeners, and shout out to our listeners. Thanks for the support. A lot of our listeners have reached out to get a little bit of backstory. So something I want to add um, as we start to bring on friends, family, guests, um, you know, people who are in business with us, uh, as we start to expand the podcast, I think one of the best ways to start it, just kind of get everybody warmed up, is to do a little six-pack of questions. Um, and fitting, I think the very first one, um, Mike, I'm just going to ask you, so I've gotten this a lot. Where did we come up with the name? Where did that come from? Uh, I've definitely gotten this question a lot too. And when you say the name, we're talking about three walls and a BLP here, the title, the, the name of the podcast. Um, those of you who don't know, Matt and I were roommates in college at the University of Dayton. And there is a bar that, you know, everybody goes to called, uh, called Timothy's. It's a beautiful place. Yo, bar full of magic. Never got full of magic where, where dreams come true. Things go to get lost and shoes go to get ruined. Um, but their signature drink is basically a concoction of every type of alcohol you can imagine. They call it a wall. And Matt and whenever we would go, Matt, you would try and build a house, so to speak. And when I say build a house, I mean he was trying to have four walls. That's correct. You, know, you need four walls to build a house. However... Matt never was able to complete the house. Always got to three. That was that was the most. And so that's where the three walls comes from. Now, senior year, my drink of choice was the ever classy Bud Light Platinum. And Timothy's was the it is still the only bar I know that served Bud Light Platinums. So three walls in the BLP. Not as exciting as I'm sure people thought the uh Backstory was going to be, but that was our go-to beverages of choice at Timothy's Bar and Grill. And I can honestly say I never had a wall at Timothy's, um, but from what I've seen there and seen you enjoy, they're they're quite quite tasty. Mike, how have you not had a wall? I had BLPs, you know. 
I get that, but not Never. one, not a single one. Never. Never had a wall. All right, we're going to change that. Hey, we. I mean, I, if, if anybody at Timothy's is listening, I'm still a VIP for life. So we can get in there, get some walls and build some houses at some point. Oh, man. We have so many stories. I'm sure we'll get into a few of them. Um, yeah. So contrary to what some people that I know might believe, it has nothing to do with the picture of our podcast. <laughs> Although that's a story and I'm sure we'll get into it eventually on the podcast. But uh, so that's where the name comes from. Um, so moving on, second second beer in your six pack of questions. Mike, uh, what's your all time favorite Lazy Sunday movie? So when we're talking like Lazy Sunday movies, we're talking you're you're just sitting on the couch. Something's on cable TV like TNT, TBS, something like that. And you're always going to watch it start to finish. You know, it's you're going to turn it on and you're gonna it's going to stay on until the credits roll. And for me, one movie that I can never turn off when I when, as long as I see it's on is The Dark Knight. It's it's just an absolute classic. Um, have to watch it from start to finish. There'll be sometimes where I'll catch it in the middle and then actually just restart it, just because it's one of my all time favorite movies. But Matt, what is your all time lazy Sunday cable movie? All right, full disclosure: I thought you were going to say The Empire Strikes Back because um, it was on this past that's, weekend. That's- it's a close, close second, I think. So uh, I got that one wrong, but my all-time favorite cable movie, cable Sunday movie, Gladiator. Because when it's on cable, it's not like TNT. It runs time is like four and a half hours. You can just get a nap. You can wake up, eat something, kind of help recover from the night out before, and then probably take another nap, and the movie's still going to be on. You can catch the very end. So uh, that's going to be mine. <clears throat> that's a great choice. So uh, can't, can't get in there. All right, question three. This is going to be a prelude to our weekend. Uh, Mike and I and some other friends, roommates, are heading down to Nashville this weekend. Really, really excited for it. But things usually get a little uh, out of hand when we're down there. Um, So, Mike, go-to hangover recovery meal that you're going to smash when we're down in Nashville this weekend. In Nashville, it's Waffle House without a a question. Um, We're going to hit that Waffle House at 4 a.m. Oh, yeah. Probably going to hit it at 9 a.m. And it's going to be the greatest thing that we've ever had. Um, kind of pivoting off of that, we don't have Waffle Houses over here in Jersey. So I think not outside of Nashville, my go-to hangover recovery meal, just a double quarter pounder with cheese, large fries, and a fountain Coke from McDonald's. Jesus, you're a savage. It's absolute garbage. <laughs> the worst thing for you, but there's something about that greasy McDonald's burger that just hits that spot. I don't know why. Doesn't make sense. Man, that's actually really funny because – so Nick – one of our roommates still in Dayton. Shout out, Nick. What's up, man? Um, he has one condition whenever we go to Nashville is we can only stay in a hotel that is within walking distance of a Waffle House. So this weekend, the Waffle House is approximately 60 steps outside of the entrance to the hotel. So Nick, that one's for you. Um, come prepared. Come hungry. Uh, see you on Friday. Uh, qu- question four, Mike. I'm going to skip over mine because I honestly don't even know. I just... My hungover recovery is just a lot of sleep. Um, <laughs> and eventually once stomach settles, we'll eat whatever's in the fridge. I'm not going to lie. Uh, question four, though. Um, favorite 90s song? Oh, and There's a lot to choose from. There is. Um, I think I'm going to have to go. I got, Hold on. I got to check the year on this because I don't want to. I don't want to get called out, but I think Matt, you'll probably. If you take my so man. It is the classic tune from Matchbox 20, 3 a.m. That song holds a special place in my heart. It, as soon as you hear that opening guitar riff, whew, 
Oof. It's, it's a classic. Excellent. It's a classic. That was a good one. I thought you could have went maybe one of three directions, but uh, I, I wasn't expecting that one. I thought you were going to stay with some Third Eye Blind or maybe uh, Blink-182, but you did surprise me there. All right. So um, question five, Mike. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's your favorite night? Oh, your turn around? Semi-Charmed Life. Third Eye Blind. Okay. All right. Perfect. Absolutely. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I think I have a feeling we're going to hear that a few times in Nashville this weekend. There will be some cash coming out of my wallet to request specifically that song. Yep. 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 Without a doubt. (laughs) Multiple times. All right. So moving on. Question five, Mike. This might be the most important question I've ever asked you. Um, Is it, and drum roll, this is a big one. This is a doozy. I personally need it. And you need to answer this for me because I honestly don't know. But is it? GIF or GIF? It's GIF. It's it's GIF. I don't. I mean, I've heard people say it's GIF. I've heard like sci- like people give like scientific reasons why it's GIF, but it's it's not. It's GIF. Okay. I don't. I don't want to hear anybody say different. You're entitled to your opinion, but if you say GIF, you're wrong. <laughs> GIF's peanut butter, right? Yeah, it's peanut butter. Okay. It's, I'm not. I like. I, it's fine. It's fine. It's it's a great peanut butter brand. It's no Skippy, but. It's not a moving picture that you send to your friends in group chats. That's a gif. All right. At me, I don't care. You better be right. We're going to take a lot of heat if you're not. Bring it. I'm, I'm willing to take it. All right, man. Let's keep this short. I know we can go. We can really get down a rabbit hole here because um, I'm sure we're going to talk a ton of these. But I'm feeling a little nostalgic today, this weekend. Um, our Dayton Flyers are killing it in basketball right now, sixth in the country. Um Dayton football team is probably going to put a tight end, all pro tight end in the NFL. Uh, best of luck in Troutman. But uh, good things happening. All all things UD, all things good things. But give us a real quick one, maybe just even a little tease if you want. But give me your favorite UD story. Um, I'm going to keep it brief. I'm going to tease it so we can come back to it a little bit later on. Okay. But favorite UD story that will stick with me forever is breaking your front door junior year, kicking it in. Okay, so uh, – Prelude to that, what were we doing? Well, I, I yeah, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but we were watching we were watching NCAA tournament games. Uh, it was in the middle of our Elite Eight run. I think it was the first round game, maybe. I think so. what, we'll, we'll get into it later on. But kicking your front door and busting it in, number one for me, for sure. So I, all I have to do, and I'm not going to get too far down a rabbit hole. Shout out Tyler Starkey, Steve Hall, and all of the shenanigans in our. Uh, our pregame, during game, and postgame rituals for Dayton Flyers tournament basketball. I cut some years off my life, but it was totally worth it. So true. Totally worth it. So, you guys listening, hope you're doing well. Talk to you here soon. But, uh, Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you. I know this past weekend was something that you really look forward to throughout the year. Um, this is kind of your niche with the pod, so I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. So, this is. This is my, definitely my portion of the pod. Uh, Matt, you're a big movie guy, but not not as much as me. Not on your level, I think man. Um, I think I've seen probably like 55 movies in theaters this year, something like that. Um, so you could say I'm a big fan. But this past year, past Sunday, was the Oscars, which, which is basically the Super Bowl for entertainment industry, stuff like that. Um, great show. Uh, kind of, I'll get into a couple of the big winners and stuff like that in a little bit here, but wanted to play a little... A quick, quick game here. I'm going to give very broad descriptions of the Best Picture noms. And Matt, I want you to give me a scale of 1 to 10, how likely mm-hmm. you would be to see it. Okay. Granted, you might have seen some of these, but just, just kind of roll with me on it. Okay. Sounds good. All right. 
first one I'm going to give uh, is movie about two guys on a road trip. Not, not really a road trip. Two guys on an adventure through a foreign land. Matt, what is your likelihood to see this movie? And can you guess the movie I'm speaking of? Hold on. Based off of what you just told me, how likely am I to see this movie? Um, oh, well, given your very descriptive layout of this film, uh, probably a three. Okay. But I think I know what movie you're referring to. And what is that? Is it 1917? It is. It's 1917. Okay. Um, I think you've seen that one, so you. I had. It's actually probably. And we we discussed how how much we enjoyed that movie and how classic it was. But I thought it was excellent. Yeah, phenomenal, mm-hmm. absolutely amazing, um, worthy of all ten nominations it got. But um, okay, moving on to the next movie. This one is about a man in a city with, and he suffers from mental illness and tries to discover who he truly is. Matt, likelihood to see that one to ten. And what movie is it? Gotcha. That sounds like it's going to keep me on edge. Um, probably not in a good way, but maybe a five. Okay. All right. Based off of your description. Mm-hmm. And what movie do you think it is? Are you referring to Joker? I am. Okay. Right. So I have not seen Joker yet. So you're going to have to carry this part. Joker. I mean, it's it was one of the better movies of the year, in my opinion. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix won Best Actor for it. He completely put himself in the role and did some crazy things to his body to get in character. And it, it was honestly one of the best performances I've seen in a while. Uh, new take on a classic character. Completely different um, direction from past Jokers. Uh, but, but yeah, definitely one of the top movies from the year that I think everyone should, should take a peek at. Uh, not, not everybody's cup of tea, but... I think, Matt, you'll enjoy that. Do you have any insight for going into that movie? Because I hear it's pretty intense. So, like, ways to get your mind right, what to expect when you go and see that one? Uh, honestly, I, I can't give anything like that. I mean, I saw it twice. Okay. And even the second time I saw it, I thought I was prepared for it. And it's 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 a lot. It's intense, but in a great way. It took me a full day after I saw it the first time to really digest what it was. Oh, jeez. Um, okay. But in a very good way. I was able to really appreciate it that way. Okay. So... I'm going to do a couple more here. Not going to go through all all of them, but this next one I'm going to say is a 19-hour masterpiece on a streaming service with old men. Is this Parasite? No, no, no. Uh, Likely to see it based on that. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot how to play the game. Um, (laughs) Sounds a little weird, but maybe a six. All right, six. That was for The Irishman. Okay. Marty Scorsese's three-hour epic. Great movie, very long, but uh, definitely worth it. Some people thought it was too long, and the, the latter parts of the movie faded. But mm-hmm. I was it's kind of you have to really understand what the story they were trying to tell is, and how that character went through so much, and had to really come to grips with who he was and what his life's work really amounted to. Uh, don't want to give any spoilers away, so that's kind of how I'll leave it. Okay. And I will go with one more here for you, Matt. It is about a young boy, imaginary friend. Finds an intruder in his house and has to deal with the crazy circumstances that follow that. Ooh. So I'm not a big horror person. So if this is a horror movie, then I'm probably not gonna not gonna catch it. But based off of that, a little bit intriguing. This one sounds probably about an eight, um, as long as it doesn't get too you know too intense. All right, eight. I like that. Um, it's not a horror film, okay, at all. It is Jojo Rabbit, the Taika Waititi movie about a young boy in the Hitler Youth whose imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler Whoa. and discovers that his mom is hiding a Jewish girl in their house. Um, it was very funny movie, very well written, kind of a very risky movie to try and make in today's time. But I think they executed 
it very well and kind of gave it kind of a lighthearted spin on it. Yeah, that's Jojo Rabbit. Very much not a horror film. Oh, okay. But I'm happy oh, okay. happy I was able to fool you there. <laughs> um, all right, that's that's kind of how that's all the movies I wanted to kind of give you as a test there. I'm kind of, now I'll kind of go into a little bit of a recap big winners. Um, like I said, Joaquin Phoenix won Best Actor for Joker. Um, 1917 won Cinematography. Very well deserved with uh, the tracking shots they did, the one shots. I've never seen a movie shot that way so successfully where you feel like you're on that adventure with the characters and you know, you're on the edge of your seat and the movie ends and you kind of you let out a sigh and you're like, whew, all right, we're done. We made it. Um, Matt, I think you kind of had similar thoughts on that one if you kind of want to give a couple yeah, so, words Yeah, there. so kind of just remember about the movie. I, I just remember being on my like the edge of my seat the entire time. Um, you had a very – dunkirk feel to it because of just how intense it was and you never really knew where the enemy was and it was just you know it really it really was gripping and compelling and um you know there's a plot twist about a quarter of the way into it um which makes it you know a little bit a little bit more of a grueling challenge to do what these guys need to do and actually you know get to the other edge of the line and uh, give some you know really really sensitive imperative information to uh, another commander but you know with that being said it was easily probably the best movie that i've seen in the last four or five years and i highly highly recommend it um, for anyone who hasn't seen it um, the cinematography of it is incredible i'm not a real big film nerd but the way they made it seem like it was one long continuous shot and you're along the journey with these guys um so it, it was just excellent it really was and uh so i definitely highly recommend the movie yeah i uh echo everything you just said um 1917 was the best movie I saw all year, uh, probably past four or five years, up until Saturday evening when I went to see the big winner of the night, The Shocker, Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. It's a international film. It's completely in Korean, subtitled with American you know, subtitles and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And I'd heard a lot of good things about this movie. I wasn't going to go see it. I was just going to, you know, I read the synopsis, kind of got a feel for it, read, heard some reviews, everything like that. And I wasn't going to see it. I was like, you know what? This doesn't seem like it's my thing. I hate foreign films. But it started racking up these kind of this notoriety, winning awards and things like that. And I was like, man, if it's winning, you know, best picture like the BAFTAs and things like that, it's it's got to be worthwhile. So Saturday evening, I went to go see it. And honestly, this was the most perfect movie I saw all year. The best picture I've seen in the past five to six years. Completely well-deserving of all the awards it got it was i i can't even compare it to another film it's so unique the way it was written the way it was shot the way it was edited it's it was just genius i don't like using that but absolutely genius Mm -hmm. um complete masterpiece uh kind of try and give a little bit of synopsis here but it's it's tough to describe takes place in korea um follows two families one family is very rich and wealthy and very naive to you know kind of the outside world and the other family is very 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 poor very unfortunate i mean the opening scene is the family trying to locate free wi-fi to check emails and things like that where their power's turned off and everything like that so it's kind of gives you two very opposite ends of the spectrum and the film just follows how these two families intertwine and their lives completely change from a couple interactions like that so highly recommend it it's foreign, you know, it gets kind of a bad stigma in the States, you know, having to read the movie you're watching. But this this is gripping. 
enthralling. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And as soon as it won, you know, best director, best picture, best foreign film, I was, it felt like I, it, I had never been more excited for a movie to win an award. Also won me some money betting on the Oscars. So shout out them. <laughs> but um, we'll kind of, kind of wrap up Oscar talk there. A little, little quick, quick Oscars recap corner there. But Matt, we had football this past weekend. Real football. We did, and we did, and we're gonna touch on that a little bit. I have to commend you. I have to commend you. You texted me earlier you texted today me and said you could talk about perfect for about six hours, mm-hmm. and you made me tell you to keep it to about three minutes. About three minutes, and you did that. And you did. So that. I'm impressed. Yeah, I mean, I could do a full podcast series on Parasite, um, but I'm not going to do that. That's spin off. Easy. No. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> moving um, on. Uh, <laughs> moving on. But, definitely. Yeah, back to football. Definitely. Um, you know, it ended. We did a recap show of the Super Bowl, and now we got some XFL. A little different. Um, obviously, like, it needs to be a unique product, and I think, you know, they're going towards it. This one has to be, the XFL, in my opinion, has to be a show. I mean, the, the NFL has nostalgia. It has, you know, fandom. It has establishment. It has been around for decades and it's you know you know barring um some few little safety things here and there and some rule adjustments it's going to continue to be around for decades but with the xfl and what i totally think they can do is they can steal some time in which eyeballs are up for grabs uh, meaning you know you're kind of at a slow point with the nba nhl is just kind of getting to a point where it's getting compelling and baseball hasn't started yet so if they can steal they steal those eyes by being unique, being uh, compelling, being interesting. They have a chance. And I, I didn't think I'd be saying that until I started to watch the product. And again, so it's it's a lot of the same players from the AAF, which, um, you know, hopefully, you know, they can keep the talent level high. Again, that'll make it more compelling. But those are kind of my thoughts. Uh, Mike, and sorry, I kind of got a little bit on a roll, but I want to hear yours as well. So uh, l- let me know what you thought about this weekend. No, I agree. I think um, where this league can succeed, where the AAF didn't and the NFL kind of in this kind of void, voided area of sports where, like you said, basketball is not really hitting their stride yet. Hockey is really just kind of getting going. Um, for this league to succeed in this time frame from March to – or not March, February to March right before NCAA tournament stuff, <laughs> they need to be entertaining. It needs to be an absolute show. <laughs> It needs to be basically the WWE, WWF of football, which makes sense because it's Vince McMahon running the league. Um, But I think that's what they tried to do earlier when it first failed. But I think Vince has gotten the right people in the hierarchy of the league to say, all right, we're going to make a football league. It's going to be entertainment. It's going to be different. It's going to be a show, but we're going to make changes to football to keep things interesting, keep football at the centerpiece of it. And I think what we said going into it was as long as the product on the, on the field is still watchable and enjoyable for football, it'll be okay. It'll it'll get through the season. People will watch, <laughs> things like that. And from what I saw, I didn't watch a lot of the games. I watched a little bit. It seemed like competent football, which is what you want to watch on TV on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Right. But what you said, you actually said something really key there and I hadn't thought about it at first. Um, you know, there has been the buzz around starting some of these new leagues over the past couple of years. And the one thing McMahon has in his favor, and obviously you don't set out to fail in anything, but 
you know, the XFL came and it went, he, he did it. Now he's in the position where he can do it again. He's got so many notes of things that he can do differently. And I have, I have to think with just, you know, the entertainer that he is being able to do WWE and, you know, and wrestling and promote that with, you know, with polarizing athletes and that kind of thing. You know, if he keeps it, you know, he keeps it on the straight and narrow and doesn't try to be something that it's not, it, it definitely is a chance. Um, so, you know, segueing off of that, there's going to be some new aspects of this. And, you know, if you're the NFL, you're probably watching it closely, kind of thinking, you know, what can we what can we bring? What can we adopt? What things can we actually take idea wise and bring it into the NFL that might, you know, one, make the game safer, a little bit more interesting, but also keep it keep it true to its nature, true to its roots of what it is. So do you think there's anything that they can they can maybe steal from what the XFL is trying to do? Uh, I think there's definitely some things that they can steal. Uh, I think the main thing that you touched on for like player safety and entertainment value and keeping like the league in a good spot is the kickoff rules that the XFL is instituting. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but the players can't move until the ball is caught by the receiver. Is that right, Matt? So yeah, the returner, it has to be caught, but I also think there's a, I'll I'll double check this and verify it for next week, but I think the ball has to get kicked past the 20 so there has to be a little bit of separation between the you know the uh, kickoff team as well as the return guy but as soon as that's caught and as long as it's at a certain depth in the field then they can return but the players are lined up as if it's you know as if it's the beginning of a punt where there's only about five yards of separation as opposed to you know 30 40 45 plus on a rundown that uh, is the way the nfl does the kickoff which ultimately is only going to keep it was only going to keep player safety at a premium. Yeah, definitely. And I think anybody that watches football or knows football or anything like that knows that kickoffs, punts, things like that are some of the most dangerous plays in the game. Um, you've got guys in the NFL that are running full steam for you know a couple of seconds at a guy that's stationary, mm-hmm. and it's basically a sitting duck. So I think. And the NFL has tried to make some changes to keep it safe where you can't really get as much of a running start. You're, they backed it up a little bit. There's no more two-man wedges, stuff like that. But I think they this is the most attainable rule that they can take from the XFL and adopt into their own because mm-hmm. it's keeping players safer. It's keeping It's not completely taking the kickoff out of the game, but it's just tweaking it a little bit to keep the entertainment value up, but keep the product on the field secure. Mm-hmm. And the product on the field is the players. Right. You know, as long as the players are safe and they can keep playing, people are going to keep watching, things like that. So I think that's the main rule to look for the NFL to kind of poach, so to speak, or take and adapt in their own way. Um, but I do think there's other some there's some other things that the XFL is doing that can the NFL can look at like the review transparency where they're literally showing the camera in the booth. They got the review referees mic'd up so they're talking through exactly what they're looking at. Um, I think that's a hot topic for the NFL. Right. Um, like the reviews, what's going on, what they're looking at. So I think that's definitely something that the NFL can look at. Um, Matt, what else do you think that the NFL can kind of poach or take and tweak and adjust to themselves? Um, so, and it's probably not going to be glaring. It's it's not going to be anything that comes out of it in the first weekend. But um, you know, the NFL and football in general is kind of a copycat sport. 
Um, you know, think of a look about 10, I think it was about 10, 15 years ago when or the NFL adopted the Wildcat. So I think that's where, you know, some, some of the NFL is going to start to change a little bit is, you know, if maybe something sticks in the XFL as far as, you know, formations and strategy. That's something that they might steal on, you know, it's kind of broad, open-ended because I didn't see anything this past weekend that they can. Uh, but, you know, as it, as it develops and continues down the next couple of weeks, you know, don't, don't be surprised if something comes out of it that maybe, you know, some of these more talented teams like uh, maybe the Chiefs or the, um, the Ravens, uh, t- the Houston Texans, some of these guys with some, some athletes on offense can start to, you know, start to incorporate. So um, obviously yeah, a little open-ended, but that's kind of where I see it. Uh, you know, have to imagine Bill Belichick sitting, sitting at home somewhere saying, all right, let's see if these guys have anything good that I can steal. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a copycat league, copycat sport. Um, so I think the NFL is watching this with keen eyes to just be like, all right, what are they doing? Well, what are they doing wrong? What can, what are we doing? Well, what are we doing wrong? Where do they overlap and how can we kind of mold the two? into a better product. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting to watch going forward. Um, I think as long as the product stays as competitive and interesting as it was in week one, that this league can knock on wood, make it an entire season, <laughs> um, which shouldn't be the, the goal. But, you know, we kind of, we saw this with the XFL last time. We saw it with the AAF last year. It's, it's tough. It's people like their NFL, they like their football the way they know it. Um, and, you know, it's people are hesitant to change. But I'm interested. Uh, I hope it succeeds. Like I said last pod, it's more football is good football. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to get your thoughts on the broadcasting changes where they're literally interviewing players after a play happens on the sidelines. Yeah, so that, you know, I kind of expected it. So again, you know, look at the roots of the guy who's running the league and what he knows. Um, you turn this into turn this into a show. Turn this into a Vegas show, a WWE wrestling show. Just um, you know, put these players, put the, you know, put the I guess put the merchandise in front of everybody and I think that's what's going to, you know, be polarizing it was with the original XFL. Um, so if they can only do that now and capitalize it or capitalize on that. Um, you might see it start to develop into like live tweeting and obviously with, you know, gambling getting, um, into things, you know, there might be little aspects and things that they can pick and choose and start to develop with some of the player interviews, coaches interviews as they, you know, they move down the road. So I, I'm all for it. I think it's really cool. Um, you get a, just a real fresh perspective of what's going on during the, during the game. Uh, something that, um, unless you're you know, really keen on some of the announcers in the NFL, it's just not something you get. So that uh, I got to be honest, Mike, I really like that aspect of it. What about you? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I think they're going to have to have the bleep button ready to go because I think there were some instances already this weekend where you know players are in the heat of the moment, heat of battle, mm-hmm. come off the sidelines, and you got a reporter shoving a mic in your face, and you're just like you're all fired up, and you're just, you know. I've, I heard some some f bombs and stuff like that, but it's definitely something interesting. I think the funniest part of it this past weekend was I forget which game it was, but they literally interviewed a kicker after he missed a kick, <laughs> and they were like, "So, like, what happened?" And the kicker was like, "Uh, I missed it," and it was just it's it's just that kind of like those little quirks where it's you don't expect to get that kind of instant reaction out of an athlete, but it's, it's entertaining. It adds entertainment value. 
Um, and I do th- picking up off of what you said with like the gambling, the thing that I noticed right off the bat with the XFL was they have the gambling lines right on the scoreboard mm-hmm. on the broadcast. They have the favorite, the underdog and the over under, which you is unheard of with the NFL. You're not even allowed to say the team's full names and talk about lines gambling. You have to say like Miami is minus three or the Dolphins are minus three. It's, it's so there's such red tape with that, that I think seeing that on a broadcast was kind of refreshing. And as gambling becomes legal in more States and gains more notoriety, the NFL is going to have to look into how do we want to get involved? How do we want to get it? control it and push it out to the fans because Mm -hmm. along with fantasy football, that's probably the most popular thing that goes into watching football, I think. But any other thoughts on the XFL that you like, um, you're worried about anything like that? I have a proposed rule or proposed aspect to the XFL that I think would really catch, catch on. So Mm -hmm. just as if, just as they're allowed to interview the kicker after he misses a kick, that team, whoever's on that team, should be able to hit their kicker in the back with a chair. I mean, it is, after all, McMahon running this thing, so let's turn it into pro wrestling as much as we as close as we can. You know my <laughs> you know my feelings for kickers, other than my boy Will Will. I uh don't think too highly of them. So yeah, I think you should be able to hit him with a chair. Just have one folding <laughs> chair on the sideline just ready to go one for per game. You get one per game. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's definitely let's give the people what they want. Yeah, you'd be looking for it. Um, but yeah, I like that a lot. Amen. We need to get get Vince on the phone here. I think I got no come after. Yeah, definitely. Cool. That was definitely fun. I enjoyed seeing it. Um, kind of propelled me into kind of what what we're going to do here is recap. But you know, watching some of these documentaries, I know you have a lot to talk about. Um, I'm going to give a little teaser on how I how I saw the Aaron Hernandez one going on Netflix, and um, you know, as we start to wrap this up. But uh, so yeah, why don't you why don't you lead us into the Mike Vick documentary, Mike? Yeah, so we kind of teased this in the last pod where uh, we were going to watch these documentaries and give kind of a recap review. Um, this week we kind of midweek decided to do something a little bit different. Whereas Matt was going to watch one, I was going to watch the other, and just kind of give our thoughts on that. Matt watched the Aaron Hernandez. Uh, Netflix documentary. I can't. Uh, it's called Killer Inside Mind of Aaron Hernandez. And I watched the Michael Vick 30 for 30 titled Vic. Um, I kind of, I, I was saying to Matt before we started, I took about four and a half pages of notes on the Vic one, just kind of as I thought something I wrote down. I'm not going to go into all of it, uh, but just kind of some things that I picked up on it was that this, like, Watching his college highlights and watching him in high school, he was literally the most electrifying athlete to touch a football field. Like you had never seen anybody like him from uh, speed, athleticism, arm strength, mm-hmm. kind like it, it. I I tried to come up with some comparisons that he was being compared to, and I could only come up with Randall Cunningham, Steve Young, and Donovan McNabb. Dude, and, he was literally a cheat code. Do you remember playing Madden 2004? You would just roll out with him and he ran by everybody. Yeah, me and my friends had the Vic rule where you couldn't play with Falcons. <laughs> Sounds about right. Because it was just unfair. Yeah. Um, but kind of going off of that, like nowadays you look at the quarterbacks that have come from college into the NFL that are having success. And these mobile quarterbacks that are freak athletes 
basically have Vic to thank for that. Like he popularized that in the position and made NFL coaches and GMs think, okay, we can get a guy who's a great athlete and can throw the ball and play him at quarterback. Because prior to that, if you were a running quarterback in college, you weren't getting drafted to play quarterback in the NFL. You were getting moved to receiver, corner, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the guys like Lamar, RG3, Cam Newton, Russ Wilson, Johnny Manziel to an extent, Kyler Murray. These guys aren't succeeding in the NFL or college or being successful quarterbacks without Vic kind of trailblazing. And Yeah, that's so true. His story, once he got in the league, is kind of one of the more remarkable ones. He burst onto the scene, is tearing up the league, putting up ridiculous numbers, Signs a $130 million contract with the Falcons. Takes them to the NFC Championship. He's the face of the league. MVP voting. um, Nike contracts. Everything. And just absolutely loses it all. Like, takes the biggest downturn I've ever seen in a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. And I mean, really, from watching the documentary, it all kind of stems back from his upbringing from Newport news and the people he was around. And he always tried to take care of his friends, family, and was kind of too nice, too giving and tried to take care of too many people. And those people started taking advantage of him, which is what led to the the dog fighting and his getting indicted on that. I mean, I never knew this about the story, but the reason he got caught for dog fighting was one of his buddies who was staying at the house that was the dog fighting ranch or whatever got pulled over for marijuana possession yeah and absolutely just said like oh i live on moonlight drive or whatever at mike vick's house and police were like oh like they had like suspicions of things going on there and then they got a warrant to search for drugs and uncovered everything like the dog the kennels the dogs being buried in the backyard. And from there, I mean, everybody knows the story. He went, he goes to jail for 23 months, loses all of his money, goes bankrupt, kind of is just gone. Like nobody thinks he's going to come back and play in the league. And then gets out of jail, reinvents himself, puts him, becomes really the biggest advocate for stopping dog fighting and humane society and animal rights and everything like that. Cause he, had such a self-reflection in prison that he knew he needed to be a better person. He wasn't thinking about getting back to the league. He was thinking about, once I get out of here, I need to make a difference. I need to right my wrongs and show contrition. Mm-hmm. And he he did that. Just so happened he also wound up getting back in the league, um, signed back with Andy Reid and the Eagles. Um, I remember when that happened, it was a very hot-button issue in, in Philadelphia because – I mean, he was a year removed from getting out of jail. And, you know, the protests outside the practice facility saying, you know, like, how can you sign somebody like this? But it was honestly all a tribute of like Andy Reid and Jeffrey Lurie being like, this guy paid his, did his time, paid his penance, reinvented himself, is a, not an upstanding citizen, but is on the right track. Why not give him a shot? Why not bring him in? be a third string, be a backup. Um, I don't think they anticipated that he was going to take the league by storm like he did in 2010. Yeah. Um, That season was 
one of the most remarkable stat seasons I've ever seen from a quarterback. I mean, you think about that Monday night football game in Washington, completely unbelievable. I think he had like 300 yards passing, 85 yards rushing, four touchdowns passing, two two rushing touchdowns, like video game numbers. He was back to the old Vic. But, I mean, then from there, his career kind of stymied, started getting hurt too much and body breaking down and, you know, he was getting slower, the league was getting faster, stuff like that. So it's kind of looking from the outside, you didn't expect his career to go so far down. And then once you it goes so far down to be able to come back up at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's one of the greatest comeback stories in not just sports history, but, you know, like human history kind of because he not only got back to – his career, but he reinvented himself and started putting his efforts to good use and really making a difference. And, and I think that's, you know, one of the more remarkable things that a person can do, you know, realize they messed up, throw themselves into the cause that they screwed up and, you know, try and make a difference and, and sit and bring awareness to it. Mm-hmm. But the documentary was phenomenal. I absolutely recommend it. It's two parts. I think it's an hour 45 each, each, um, episode but i mean it's an espn 30 for 30 they're always fantastic but i absolutely recommend that any football fan any sports fan or someone that had opinions on mike vick you know take the time and watch it and kind of get a new perspective and really see the ins and outs of who he was who who, where he came from and who he is now Um, i did want to ask you a question so yeah watching this and just kind of your overall opinion and obviously like this is strictly hypothetical there's no way of proving this um but say he didn't have the scandal he didn't have to you know there was no jail time there was no you know no missing of the league he didn't have to leave the nfl you know he was able to play his play his career all the way through whatever might have happened um obviously can't say no injuries but do you think Based off of what he did outside of all of that, you think he was a disappointment, or do you think he actually maxed out on everything he was going to do in the NFL? I mean, that's that's one of the great what ifs in NFL history. I think um, I would think he, I would say he maxed out um, just based off of you know, what we did see because he prior to the scandal he was relying on that being the best athlete, being fast, being able to beat everybody one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't really a good quarterback. He wasn't reading defenses. He wasn't learning the playbook. He didn't know how to manipulate defenses with his eyes, throw people open, anything like that. And I think his stepping away from the league and um, having to reflect and kind of reinvent himself as a player kind of made him a better quarterback. I think he wasn't a quarterback before. He was an athlete who could throw. And then by the time he retired, he was one of the – you know, you think of him as one of the better quarterbacks in NFL history. I mean, never won a Super Bowl, never made it to a Super Bowl, but neither did Dan Marino, neither did, you know, however many others. I think he made the most out of his talent given the circumstances that he was in, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I was kind of – I'm on the same theme too where I think you know, that was going to be – you know, that was going to be his story. Um I think that was about as far as he was going to go, even, you know, even though, unfortunately, you know, all the, all the off the field stuff um, and no knock to him. Like, it, I think some people say this and it's like, oh my gosh, it's, 
how could you say that? Like he would have won a title, but I, I don't think he would have won a Super Bowl. But that's no knock on him. I mean, it takes a lot of pieces to come together to win a Super Bowl. Um, but as far as being you know, one of the most talented guys to play the game of football, I think, shoot, I think you put him in the short list. So, but that's awesome, man. Th- great recap. Uh, I'm looking forward to finishing it. Um, my assignment, like my my assignment of, for this podcast, was to go over the Aaron Hernandez one. And whew, so you said something that you really resonated with, you know, Mike Vick being kind of one of the most deep and you know, long falls that any athlete can make come until about 2013, 2014, when the Aaron yeah. Hernandez thing happened. So um, the documentary, just kind of my overview and, you know, Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 80 percent. Um, I'm, I'm pretty spot on with that. Like I, I'm in agreement with that. I think it's well put together. Um, I will say there's little aspects of the way it's shot that I didn't like. Um, you know, it, it, it dropped some bombs in the first episode that I'm going to leave up for anyone who wants to see it. I'm not going to play spoiler. Um, and, uh, you know, the way they recorded some of the, the phone conversations he had from in jail and outside of jail with you know people close to him. Um, I think it could have been done a little bit better and put together a little bit better. But that's just my opinion. Um, take that for what it's worth. But overall, I mean, the story, the story is incredible and it's incredibly sad, but it's just a wild story where, you know, when this guy came into the NFL, he came in alongside Rob Gronkowski, who is probably the most well-known player of the last 15 years as far as his, you know, antics off the field, but he never got into trouble. Rob Gronkowski was a partier. The Patriots, when they drafted these guys and brought them into the league, thought they were going to have to worry about Rob Gronkowski and what he was doing outside. And, you know, they'd have to monitor him and make sure he was on the straight and narrow. What they didn't know was everything that was going on behind the scenes with Aaron Hernandez. So, you know, it's a crazy story. One of the things that I thought the documentary did really well was honor the victims. Um, So obviously, you know, Aaron Hernandez was charged with two two different cases of homicide, um, one a double murder and then one a murder in cold blood, um, sentenced to life in prison, and then <clears throat> um, was uh, uh, his life ended in prison. So um, that you know, that's kind of the end of the story, but just how it all comes together is so, it's so bizarre. It, it, it's bizarre just because, um, you know, in the way, I think the dates in which he was ultimately convicted for killing the first, uh, the first two victims. So his first uh, murder charge was three months before he signed his five-year, forty million dollar contract extension. Yeah, but nobody knew about it. It's wild. It's just absolutely wild. It's almost like you're watching a movie just unfold in real life. And um, the the Netflix series does a great job of doing it. It brings in some childhood friends, um, kind of gives you the backstory. Uh, it touches a little bit into the health and the well-being of him as far as what CT is. And um, I'm not going to get in too, too into that. Um, Mike, you know my feelings on that. I, I don't think it really applies in this case. But, you know, people, yeah. people get paid to defend a, their, uh, you know, their client. So they'll, they'll do just about whatever they can. But so I will say, honestly, there are uh, three one-hour, one-hour and five-minute episodes on Netflix. You can watch it over the course of a week. Um, it, it was good. It was good. It really, you know, again, kind of honors the victims and their families, I think, in a decent way, about as well as the documentary can. And But then also sheds light on a story that, you know, is is compelling. It's tragic. It's 
it's disgusting. It's all kinds of things just wrapped into one. So um, there's also a book uh, that you can read if you know you're more of more of that kind of interest person, uh, James Patterson. It's called The All American Murder: The Rise and Fall of Aaron Hernandez. It's a really easy read. Um, I read it a couple couple months ago kind of breeze through it, but it gives you the, the ins and the outs as a way, you know, if you're not behind a computer or a TV, um, if you want to, want to catch up on it and kind of learn the story, that's a, that's another way to do it. So, um, man, you know, we kind of rolled through that. That was fun. That was great. Um, if it's all right with you, I, you know, shout out to all of our, all of our listeners. If one of you in the next week or so, the first person to let me know what the song was that we played at the very beginning, We'll show, we'll, uh, we'll throw you some merch, merch your way. Um, tell, uh, tell your friends, your family, um, if you want to get on the pod, let us know, reach out to Mike. He kind of spearheads this whole thing. He's the, he's the content creator, uh, reach out to him and we'd love to have you guys on and throw us any feedback that you think help us improve this and, you know, just, uh, stay on for the ride. This has been fun. I know we're only three episodes in, Mike, but this has been really fun. Yeah, kind of just echoing off of that. Um, definitely, please give us feedback. We want to hear the good, the bad, the ugly, the completely nonsensical. Um, but continue to to listen, spread the word, subscribe, rate, everything like that. Um, we're going to continue blasting it on our social medias to get more eyes on it and everything like that. So, uh, sorry, not really for <laughs> that. Um, but Matt also brings up a good point. Please, if any of our good friends or anybody wants to get on the pod and talk to us about a certain subject or just get on and and just, you know, bullshit for 50 minutes or so, just, you know, reach out to us. We'd be happy to have you on. Um, Matt brings up a good little thing with, with merch. I uh, don't want to get into that too much, but, you know, keep, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, and Matt, I think we've got something – Something unique and fun planned for this weekend when we're all in Nashville. Um, don't want to give too much away, but it might be a live Surprise guest, Stephen. Hmm? Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. Um, not sure exactly what we'll cover in that one, but it might just be a fun kind of uh, hungover experience. Chat, chat about Nashville and what we like about it, and kind of places to hit hit in nashville but this was kind of a little bit of a longer pod we kind of got into a little bit of details on some some documentaries things like that but you know keep definitely keep uh listening we appreciate each and every listen each and every view each and every subscribe this it's three weeks old but it's definitely been ridiculously fun um we look this was kind of the only thing me and matt talked about all week um, we, I mean, we talk every day, but now these chats are basically centered around the pod and, you know, they're all fun chats that we're having. So we're going to keep doing it as long as we can. We hope you guys stay along for the ride and Mike, yeah, I'll see you in Nashville, baby. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you in Nashville and, and, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, thanks. Thanks again for listening and you know, be nice to everybody. Peace.